Hi, guys. So welcome to episode two of Biohack It. And today I'm so excited to bring on the incredible Natalie Holloway, co-founder and CEO of Bala Weights, the brand that has taken us by storm since 2019 and gave us sanity when it came to our wellness and working out in 2020 while we're all locked up inside. Uh, Bala was born out of an example to it's never too late to restart your career at any time, which is what Natalie did. She jumped into something new. She discovered something she was passionate about. And Bala is really about adding color and fun to your everyday workout. So thank you so much, Natalie, for doing this with me. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on the show and really talk to women about that. It's never too late to take a risk, right? It's never too late to do something you're passionate about or find your passion, which is exactly you, what you were doing, right? So you were burnt out from your corporate career. You were building brands for about a decade and you went on a trip to Asia with your husband and you guys literally sketched the idea of Bala. I think I read somewhere on a napkin. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, more about that. Yeah. So essentially, I mean, I was, it's everything you said, I was super burnt out. I was working at, you know, a good agency called 72 and Sunny. And I, my husband and I had both worked at a lot of good advertising agencies. We thought our whole career would be in advertising, but essentially we worked at this company. We were extremely burnt out. We were, it was pre COVID. So, you know, you're going to the office and it was like legit 8am to, to we would leave at midnight sometimes, right. honestly, like it was just like very intense ad agency style work and a little thankless, not really our own thing. So we got burnt out and we said, let's, let's quit our jobs and travel the world for you know a year. And so a little risky, but we also felt like we had good enough resumes where we could just get a job when we returned. There was like a little bit of a backup plan. So made it a lot less scary. So we did that. And it was, it was honestly the first time in my life that I wasn't just kind of go, go, go. And I finally had some like clear headspace to think and just like live. And so that's ironically, and not really ironically, because it's obviously purposefully probably why Bala came about. So we finally just had time to just like be us. And we, we launched or we started the idea of the first product, Bala Bangles. And like you said, sketched it out on a napkin while traveling and really just like started it as a side project while we were there. I mean, we, we ended up coming back and getting jobs at advertising again and okay. started Bala as a side project. So that's, that's why I'm like, take a break, you know, like take a beat. It is so important to get sometimes quiet with yourself and just get quiet with your surroundings and take a pause from all the insanity on the go, 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 so that you can almost allow not only for your creativity to come out, but also for the universe to speak to you. And I think so many women get so scared of what might come up for them, or they might quit a job, or they might leave a bad relationship, that they are so scared of the unknown. They just, you know, almost stick to what isn't serving them anymore. You know, they compromise. So I think you're such a great example of somebody who said, I want to try something different. I'm going to get some peace and quiet. And in that peace and quiet, you thrived with this creativity. Exactly. You just kind of, I mean, I feel like it's it's hard to do, especially if you're like a, busy, a person that likes to stay busy, which I am that type of person or a person that 
I guess, likes to work or works a lot, you know? And so I think it's like very hard to do, but sometimes you could be doing yourself a benefit because if I, if I hadn't have done that and I said, oh no, I don't want to risk a promotion, Bala wouldn't be around and I'd still be working in advertising. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. And so I think ultimately it's more important to just like take that time off or go do your little sabbatical and then, you know, return back. Work will always be there. A job will always be there. Even if it's maybe harder to find and maybe not the perfect job, it's like there's something there yeah. to return to, aka a backup plan. Yeah, there's, as long as you have something in the in the shortfall, you're like, yeah, I'll figure this out. But your trajectory would have been totally different. And then this led you obviously to going onto Shark Tank, being on Shark Tank. And I think as soon as the episode aired, you had all, obviously all five sharks were interested and you guys sh- kind of sold out right away from Amazon and Shopify. So how was it preparing for the show? How was it like having all five sharks being like, we want in on this? I mean, honestly, it's still, what's funny is when we went on, actually, even when we aired on Shark Tank, only we were very conservative in our approach. So we very much were like, this is a side project. We're keeping our day jobs. We kept our day jobs. My husband kept his honestly for the first year and a half. And so he didn't even feel comfortable quitting his job until we got an air date on Shark Tank. So he quit like a week before we aired on Shark Tank, which is like, you know, pretty late in the game to quit your job. And so I think it was like, it's all very, it was all very surreal and exciting. And, but it really gave me and him and myself the confidence to say like, this is going to work out. This is like going to work out. It's going to be able to, you know, provide for us. And I think at that point we were very much, you're like, oh, this could all go away. I mean, there's still moments of feeling like that in a business. I mean, every, I'm sure everyone feels like that. But at that point, that was like, gave us the confidence, like all five sharks wanted in, like, this is a viable idea. And this is not going away anytime soon. We feel comfortable to like go all in. There's a huge gap in the market for it. And I think the market adapted to it right away. When you guys launched, everyone was like, I'm in. I want something cute and fashionable that looks trendy, is well-priced. I want to be buying these these workout accessories. I want to be buying these these weights. And it just, people started building workouts around it and they just kind of boomed from there. So I think definitely there was a real appetite for the market. I was going to say one thing you said, like you were already, you quit your day job. You were already doing this full-time. Your husband took a minute. Do you think working, obviously your husband is your co-founder as well. Do you guys both have a very different approach because, you know, to the business and kind of are you more risk pro and he's a little bit more risk averse? How is How does that work? Yeah, I mean, we definitely, I would say in a, yin, in a yang sort of way, like balance each other out, like where he's bad at a certain area of the business, I'm good at it. And where I'm bad at an area, he's good. And so we we definitely balance each other out in, in that aspect. But I do think it's like, it's, it's honestly, we're a little bit of, of everything. Like he, we both have a little bit of the creative side and even like I'm doing ops, but he handles like legal. Like, so it's, it's a little bit of a 50, 50 thing where we each have our strengths, but they, they are in all areas. So, I mean, I don't even remember where we started with that question, honestly. Yeah. So. You know, I, just, I think you answered it for us. I think you told us it was like, how does it kind of work with the two of you together? And then in terms of like, are you more risk adverse or is he more risk adverse? Mm, risk adverse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's another one where it's, it just depends on the day because right. I, I would say I'm a little, he's more risk averse, but together what's weird is like, we have taken a lot of risks together, you know, starting a business, quitting our job, doing just like other business ventures that seem risky, like 
I feel like together we've given each other that confidence, but typically I would say I'm definitely a risk taker in life. And I'm more of the, well, let's try it. If it doesn't work out, we have backup plans here. And I feel like when you, when you, when you flex that muscle, it just gets stronger and you're more prone. I mean, we've all heard it. You're more prone to take a risk because you kind of know from experience that sometimes the thing doesn't work out, but you, you land on your feet somehow. And so I think any business owner is a risk taker or took a risk at some point. And then I think, you know, you are constantly having to take a risk. Like every day is like a little bit of a risk assessment. So I think it does help you like flex that muscle as much as you keep going and taking risks. And then how is it actually working once you guys kind of got off Shark Tank? How is it actually working with Mark Cuban and Mira Sharapova? Like how, was there anything you would change about it? Sometimes people say they're really tough to work with the sharks, you know, they they can be intense. So how was the actual experience as a young entrepreneur, like going out, building your own business on your own? I mean, I think it's it's been great. I think the one thing to watch out for is you do give away a lot more equity than otherwise. So like we gave away a, a good amount of equity, 30%. For I mean, and also our valuation at the time was like pretty low. So, or comparably, so I think, you know, they got a good deal. So I think part of it is like, you're getting the lifetime value of being a Shark Tank brand, which it's always the talking point. It's always like you're in the Shark Tank fold. So it really does give you that value, but you are going to give your business at a, a bit of a discount because they're sharks. Like they're going to get a better deal than like other investors out there typically do. And, but it's been great working with them. I think, you know, we have Mark and email away and same with, with Maria. We just filmed an update and it actually aired last weekend. So there's always like Shark Tank is like the gift that keeps on giving in a way. So it's great. But, you know, we just save our favors for the sharks. It's like if, we, you know, if we need them to support a big launch or something like that. So they'll they'll support. But it's like you want to like save those favors. You don't want to be calling them every day. And yeah, and a lot of people don't know this. When you sometimes bring in outside investment or people to your business, like you said, you give up equity and, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about negotiation. So, you know, having done this now for a while, what were some of the things now that you look back as, as a founder and you're like, you know what, this was when, like, this was great. This is the advice I have for any entrepreneurs kind of coming up, females who want to found businesses and when they want to look for cap, you know, fundraising and all that stuff, what should be the pitfalls they should watch out for in your experience? And what are things that are definitely things that they can go in their favor or things they need to explore a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, you mean raising money in general? Money, launching a brand. When you're launching a brand, is it too early to raise sometimes? What should you already have before you even, should you have a proof of concept before you even go out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Okay. So I think, well, before you go out, well, right now, especially since the market, is just not as easy to raise money the last, you know, couple of years. I think that's like a widely unknown thing. And so essentially, I would go as long as you possibly can without raising money because eventually you'll just own a lot, like less percent. We've all heard the nightmare stories of people who've given away a lot of their company. And at the end of the day, they don't have enough and they get, you know, they could get outed from their company or many things could happen. So I think protecting your equity is important. And so I, that's where I would say, like, if you don't have to raise money, don't, but if you want to, then I would say go as long as you possibly can without doing it and then, and then do it. And I've only raised really from Shark Tank. We've done a few, a few angel investors, but so that's where it's like, I don't, I'm not the best person I have. We have 
almost raised a few times. So I have a lot of experience pitching to investors and all that. But I think it's a, it's a long process and it kind of does take your eye off the business. I mean, your eyes laser focus on the business because you're working on the strategy and the numbers and all that. But it's like you could be doing a million other things than having your day filled with investor calls. That's why I say like build the business first and then get get some money. But obviously there's some categories where you like really need money to have the, to have the business in general. So obviously that's different, but that would be my advice. We always tell people when they come to the agency, we're like retain control as much as you can when you're launching the company so that you as a founder can really control the narrative, the voice, what you want to build. Because sometimes founders will go to like, let's say private equities, they'll completely demolish what they want to do and say, hey, these are your really aggressive metrics you need to hit. These are the numbers, this is this. And then they lose themselves in that and the brand gets disconnected from the reason the purpose why it actually started so we always advise people we said hey like you know try to control as much of your business in the early days especially while you're building the story as you can so the story can really come in your voice from you so true and i feel like these days honestly like consumers are really smart and they can really see through like something that's just like for lack of a better word a money grab it's like if you're just trying to hit numbers it's like that that that's just like you can see right through that so that's why i feel like a lot of companies actually when they do sell the company and the founders not involved like it tanks or it doesn't do as well because you need that like soul and passion and guiding light in a sense so i definitely think like definitely try to retain and keep that story as much as you possibly can and you guys did such a great job with merging wellness and fashion and making it relevant together. I remember you did the Shoots partnership. I think it was last year. And I was like, this is amazing. Like what a unusual but cool partnership. I actually bought two pairs of those boots. So I oh want to gosh. talk about, you know, you, you guys have done some incredible partnerships, but you also were that hybrid brand that brought like, you know, working out, you know, kind of from, from a product standpoint into the fashion world and made it really cool. Like you guys became a statement. Bala Bangles and Bala is a statement now. That's so, wow. That's so nice. Thank you. First of all, but I would say that was, that was like when we first launched our our first like problem and question was how do we stand out in the fitness industry? And so at the time there was like, probably like, you know, it was like Lulu, Outdoor Voices, like those types of brands. And it was, it was like, it felt like no one was like leaning hard in the fashion area and like almost like extreme, you know, putting heels on, on them and workout outfits and stuff like that. And so I think for us, we were like, Bala, the products we were making felt fashionable. And so we were like, let's really truly merge the the two and do unexpected things like the shits collab, you know, and things like that. And shoots, I always say it wrong. But so I think early on that was all day. So don't even feel bad. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, that was our way. Like we felt like we need to stand out. And so that was the way to do it is like, let's lean really hard in fashion and like really blur, blur the lines between the two so that you people were speaking to people's whole self, like very fashionable people that, you know, it's like their wellness and fashion blend. And so I'm glad that you saw that. <laughs> So I, 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 I remember seeing that collab and I was like, these guys have done such a great job, you know, of taking something which can be so like limiting in what it could be because it's like, oh, it's wellness, it's weights and bridging that gap and bringing into mainstream lifestyle fashion conversation and doing it in such a cool way. Like the color waves you launch or mats, you're always launching, you know, new weight bars and stuff. And it's just so interesting for me to see the evolution of Paula for all the years that I've seen you and supported you. So it's just incredible to watch. And I think that's where... 
what you just said, the founders coming in, really having their eye on the prize when it comes to their brand, really being dialed into, you know, working with the team on trends and stuff is so important. And you guys see, you do that very, very well. That's so nice. And I think also like in general, like I said, the consumer is really smart. So it's like, yeah. you want to surprise them. You want to keep them like, why do they want, especially with our product? We don't, we're not, you know, a clothing brand. We don't want like a hundred, 200 styles where you can just shop the site all day. It's kind of like, we need to like, keep them excited, keep them guessing, keep them coming back. So I think that's always our brief is like, what is unexpected? What could be really fun for our, for our customers? Our customers. And this brings me to the talking about the consumer community. You guys have also done such an incredible job building community. And it's hard to build community nowadays because your customer is a lot more savvy. They demand a lot more out of you. They're streetwise. So how do you think Bala did such an incredible job building that community? Like where where have you guys kind of like you cultivated a, you know, a, a cult following? I don't want to, you know, double up the world, but you have. And you know, kind of like what were the drivers around that? I think, you know, it's a little bit of what I was kind of saying, like keeping people guessing. Like, I think like, like you mentioned the, the shoots collab and, and that was like, that was so unexpected or we've done one with like Max Bone, a dog toy brand, yeah. like so unexpected that it like gets people excited. Yeah. And so I think there's a little bit of that on the community front too. So it's like, we do have a small team, so we're not really like able to do a ton of events. But when we do an event, we make sure, you know, to do it well and have as much of the community there as possible. I think as far as like having having a we have a long roster of trainers that are like our affiliates. And I feel like they're in our they're really, truly like in our community. So it's like when there's paid opportunities, like they're the first people we, we reach out to. We're posting them and vice versa. And I think always like, you know, there's some of these people that have been with us since the beginning. So I think that helps us really like cultivate a community and like a sense of like a team work with these uh, people, the, the ambassadors. They kind of, they're your cheerleaders, I would say, and essentially. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing to see. I've seen so many incredible trainers, obviously Melissa Wood being one, but so many like her who built entire workouts around, you know, when they first started using their Bala bangles and their Bala products and stuff. So a lot of people have incorporated and built that in and, you know, started with your brand, what it was to work out for them. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it, it's like, that's probably the most exciting thing for me, honestly, is seeing like seeing people, like you said, build workouts around the products that, or even studios who, you know, have like ballified their entire studio. And it's like, you've been probably the Miami Fuse house. Have you been? Yeah, it's and me, and Mimi, Mimi yoga, obviously. So yeah, I think there's just like a lot of, that's just really cool to see and fun to like interact with the products in real life for people. And then I, this brings me next to, as a founder, right, you see a lot of people wanting to start brands out there, but they don't know where to spend on. So I want to talk to you about when, what is the right place to put your money with the ever evolving trends and stuff? And when is it, I always ask, you know, founders like yourself, when is it too soon to hire an agency? Because sometimes brands come to you and they're just not ready. And it's like, you know, you've obviously, you know, been doing this for a while. So what are your sometimes, your, again, your pitfalls for somebody looking to start a brand or sometimes brands that invest too early in things? Yeah, I mean, it's so it's really hard because there's so many things and it's like, oh, should I invest in TikTok, Instagram content? Like, what should I be investing in? And I, I think for if you have the right person behind the wheel, I would say 
definitely like Google ads is probably the best thing to invest in, but you need the right person like running that ship. You don't want to just be wasting money. Meta some, but it's not like as good, but maybe dabble and like, it's a good, like top of funnel conversion. So I would say a little, little bit of meta, but mainly, mainly Google ads. And if you're really trying to bootstrap things, I would say like community events and like gifting and it's like you know the the money you could spend on gifting you know a 30 person yoga class like i'm speaking like for us but like you know 30 bangles or whatever it is to the class versus a ton of google ads it's it might be worth it to gift so i think having gifting in the fold is important pr has always been a part for yeah. us and you know, since like the beginning, we have in-house PR, which is amazing. Brooke, I think you, yeah. you knew her, but so I think there's just a lot of places you could invest, but I think, you know, definitely Google ads, PR is one that really worked for us and, and experience content, creation. Yeah. content creation is important too. Cause yeah. you want like aesthetics are important for brands yeah. um, like ours. And so content creation is definitely a way to invest too. Yeah, your content is absolutely beautiful. And I think when you guys have done pop-ups and events as well, the experiential experience that you've created with Bala and Balafying, like you said, a space has been amazing. Like you have these huge Bala weights everywhere and stuff. It's just very cool to watch. That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> so Natalie, I want to ask you, what did your personal fitness look like before you started Bala? Like, what was it? And has that oh. changed ever since you started it? I mean, it's really changed. I feel like I used to work out a lot more. I I was an avid core power person okay. and I would do core power sculpt. Have you ever done it? It's amazing. Oh, is it? What, what, Killer. I mean, they have, it's, it's, a, it's, it's sweaty yoga and then they okay. you, you use dumbbells. So, okay. I mean, in a way it's kind of like where Bala came from, like the idea of Bala, but basically really good workout and it's just killer. So, you know, any, any sculpt workout I love. So I used to do core power yoga a lot. And then now I, ha I have two kids and it's just, and the business as a third kid, it's like, it's yeah. just hard to like a workout in. I was like so excited because I was able to get a Y7 yoga class in yesterday. <laughs> but my goal right now, yeah, it's like, wow, I got to leave the house. But so my goal right now looks a little like a little lax, but it's like what it is right now is it's getting to the studio once a week and then doing a couple of Bala size classes, which is our online platform. But it's like, I can do an eight minute class. I can do a 16 minute class. It's, it's easy to just like get in when I can. And then just getting movement in throughout the week. So whether that's like a walk with the kids or like, I mean, I'm always carrying my kids and running around. Like I consider that, like, how is that not low resistance? Yeah. 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 Like I, I'm telling myself that, but I think it's true. So yeah, it really just looks different these days just because of the time constraint. But even, but that's why I set myself up with like goals that I can achieve. And then from there, I feel great if I made it to like three classes a week, you know, and walked, but I just try to like move every day, whether it's walk. And I just recently got back into running. So that's easy too. Cause you can just go at any point for a 10, 20 minute jog. That's your workout. So, and obviously I incorporate Bala in all my um, workouts, but it's just such a important thing. What you've been saying is kind of like shifting your mindset about like being a little bit more forgiving with yourself, knowing that, you know, things will come up and to be not so rigid and kind of more flexible with the way you treat your body, the way you treat your workouts and saying the, as much as I can do, it is good enough. Like my good There's enough as much as I can get it. It doesn't have to be everything at all times. And that's what I want to allow myself as a woman to experience. Cause 
I think sometimes as women, we have these unrealistic expectations of we're supposed to be mothers, wives, show up in these incredible careers, look a certain way. And we are so hard on ourselves. And I think that's why a lot of us are chronically stressed or we're getting like so many autoimmune diseases because we're putting so much pressure on ourselves, which is unrealistic to be able to hold. Exactly. It's like, I don't work well with all of that pressure. It's like, I'd rather have like the goal of getting one big thing done a day or that in my case, getting to the studio once a week, but making sure I move every day, little walk, things like that. And then it's like, and then I'm more likely to like go three times because I already hit that one and I didn't have the pressure, you know? So Allow that's my flexibility. We'll see if it works. Um, another thing you have, obviously two little kids, you have a booming business, but everything is the last five years have really like shaped your, you know, life's totally changed over the last five years. How do you manage it all? And how do you now still find moments to slow down and find that creativity? So, oh gosh. Okay. So a lot of good questions there. Manage it all. It's very hard, but I think having a good support system is super important. So my mom is our nanny and I, I don't, I mean, that's like my life hack right now. And I couldn't do it without her, honestly. So, and then, you know, my husband and I recently, we just set up like a more of a, like a routine where we know who's doing what, like I'm doing when the babies wake up in the night and he starts, he does the morning. So I get to sleep in like we did a little bit of a scheduling alignment. And that's really helped too, because then it's just like takes the guesswork out. And I just, we just know who's dropping my son off at school. And so it's been helpful. And then, I mean, this is not groundbreaking, but you know, really truly baking in wellness into your lifestyle. Like what's, what's your like must have. And for me, it's like, you know, baths is like a relaxation tool for me or like hot tub. So like I do that almost daily. I just started going to myo detox. I don't know if you've, you've been or heard of it, but it's just like, it's, it's all about, I'm going to butcher it, but it's all about like the myofascia and releasing that. So it's it's full body health and kind of a mix of PT and chiropractor. So I'm going to make that a priority and I'm going to go once maybe twice a month and make my body a priority in that way. And just like baking in things like that, just to make it all sustainable. Another thing I just started, sometimes I'm not able to, to stick to it, but we both have been doing two meetings a day. And obviously there's some days where you do more because it's just not possible. But if I can stick to two meetings a day, I actually have time in my day to get work done or time in my day to go say, I'm going to go hang out with the kids for three hours upstairs, you know? And that to me is the game changer because you can fill your day up with meetings easily. And I have my whole career, but as of like, you know, probably the last like four months, I've been trying to stick to this two meeting a day today. I had like eight meetings, but I typically try to stick to it. And honestly, that really helped me because then I can drive the business in other areas or spend time with my family. So that that's a, my, my recent tip. That is such a good recent tip for, uh, you know, people, whether you're not even working and you have a family is learn to say no to certain things so that you can create room for the yeses and for mm-hmm. them to actually matter to, to you as an individual. So, you know, you get enough, in your case, you're getting enough time in with the family, the business, you're getting able to be creative. You're getting able to be, get quiet. But if we say yes to everything, and we don't say no to things, we won't create that space within ourselves to be like, I need to be able to find time to quieten myself or just give priority to things that really, really matter at this stage of your life. Yeah. And you only have so much energy in the day. So it's like, 
give it to what you want to give it to. And if, if the, that day's too busy, like what I'm I can schedule three, four weeks out, you know, it's like not a big deal, but it helps my own sanity. And so I think like practicing what works for yourself and that might be harder if it's like, you know, if you work at a company, but it's just, it's just a way to protect your energy and also just have time to get work done. Cause otherwise, how are you getting work done when you're back to back? All back to it's, back. Yeah. It's impossible. It's really, really, yeah. hard. and it's, and you also are really responsive. Whenever I've written to you, you always take out time to respond and you're super polite and stuff and you don't let message. And it's, I think you do that because you have such a good sense of self. And, you know, a lot of, sometimes people don't do that. I, I believe that people need to close the loop on a conversation and I value that in people. So I want to tell you that something I love about you and I value is like, there's a conversation, there's an end, there's always a follow through. And that's an amazing quality to have. Thank you. you. I mean, super point. I do feel like you need a, a like, you know, like a, what you're saying, a follow through, but also like a closing of the conversation. And it's like, if you're not going to, then don't, don't invest in that conversation to begin with. And how is it like, obviously you guys are married, you work together, you live together, you have two beautiful kids together. Do you ever feel like you need to, like, how do you separate sometimes church and state? Or there are some rules in your marriage. You're like, Hey, we're not going to talk about work after these hours. Like how does it work? Because otherwise you could be talking about work all the time. No, I know. it's so it's so true. And we we 100 percent are not like the kind of people that can be on the same project. Like we would just like step on each other's toes, even though we have different strengths. So we truly do divide and conquer. Like rarely are we in the same meeting. Like it's either he's taking this or I'm taking this. And that really works for us, too. At this point in the business, we're, we're super aligned. We don't need to both be on every meeting. So it's like his court, my court fine. And then we, we really divide the business up nicely. It's like, you know, he's product, I'm marketing, I'm e-com, he's legal, you know, everything's like very split in categories. And when we need to tag each other in or, or get approvals, like we do that. So I think that's important. And then separation of church and state is important. So we, we basically, when one of us is, does not want to like talk about work we just say hey i'm done working for the day or like i can't i can't go to this like intense stressful conversation right now and so that is definitely something that we have been doing as of the last couple of years honestly because it's like you if i'm like checked out for the day at six or something and i'm not trying to work if he brings me back in it then i don't get to like reset so it's yeah. really important that we we like understand those boundaries with each other otherwise we're just working 24 7. Yeah. And you guys would never stop. It'd be like, you wake up, you talk about a partnership, you get to sleep. Yeah. yeah. It would be like nonstop. And that can kind of sometimes take the fun and passion out of it. I think if you overdo it and you overkill it, it can take the excitement out because the whole point of like what you've created is because you love it and it's, you have your creativity and stuff in it. The minute it becomes like a chore is when you'll lose that passion and that momentum. A hundred percent. And I I have been like burnt out on Bala before, yeah. just like any hard times we've gone through. It's like, and then my way to like reset is like, like take time, even if it's like a, a week, you know, take a little bit of a beat back and just like take a break and then return. And you can probably rediscover that passion. That's, that's such a good way. So that brings me to Natalie, our closing tradition. I'm starting on the podcast and I ask all my guests this towards the end of the podcast, which is what is the one lesson or learning to date that you've had that has been crucial for your personal evolution and has carried you through on your journey to where you are today? The one lesson. Ooh, this is a good one. You Is it like, so career-wise? Anything. A career, personal, life, it can be anything. So if you look at your back life back to- hmm. Okay, I have a good one. Yeah. 
Well, this is not really career related, although I guess you could spin it that way. But to the lesson I learned, it's like it's kid related or it could be like close one, close family or friends. But take the mundane moments in life like for kids. It's like it's like a chore. It's like brushing the kids teeth at night. There's a million of them making them meals or like changing their diapers. So all of these like mundane things that become chores. And it's like, are you going to do that? Or am I going to do that? And it's like a fight to take those moments and like slow down and say, okay, wait, actually, this is an opportunity to get to know my kid more, or this is an opportunity to, you know, form a deeper relationship with them or just like you know, really get to know them more so that you're taking this like mundane, boring thing, like brushing their teeth, but you're actually, it, it reframes your mind and how you're actually um, engaging with, with people yeah. or your family. And you take that mundane thing and you actually try to enjoy the, the, whatever beautiful thing you can about it, getting to know somebody or in my case, the kids. And I've been trying to like reset my mind like this lately. And I think that if you could do that, you know, nine times out of 10, you just be, have a happier day and less, less stressful and connect with that person over and over again. I think that's a really beautiful lesson. And it can be applied to everything, taking pleasure in the small things in things that are feel like routine or boring to you, but there's a lot of pleasure in that the ability and gratitude, the ability to be able to do that with your kid, to be able to have mm -hmm. the time, to be able to have a healthy child, to be able to have that opportunity to connect and take that moment in life. Because in those little things is where the the memories are created, right? And, you know, the joy is found. So I think that's a, that's a beautiful lesson. I think we can apply it to both our personal and our professional lives. Exactly. You can definitely apply it to professional life. So thank you so much, Natalie, for doing this with me. I'm so excited you came on and, you know, from Instagram to podcast and hopefully next to in person. I can't wait to give you a big hug someday. I know. Hopefully soon. Okay. Well, of course, it was so great to be here. I can't wait to listen to your podcast. Thank you. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in and getting to know the incredible Nat Natalie Holloway and the amazing brand that she has been building and getting to know a little bit about her story and how she got started. So thank you for joining me, Natalie. And thank you guys for listening along to this episode and supporting us.